There's an old story about a pastor um, leaving a church and he, um, they, I'm not, this is not about me or anything like that, so no, no worries there at all. But um, they had a farewell dinner for him and he tried to uh, encourage one of the members of the church, one of the really sort of central figures of the church, and who was quite upset by um, the, was quite upset at the dinner. And, and so the pastor tried to um, comfort her and, and just encourage her, saying, hey, don't, don't worry, like, God knows what he's doing. The next pastor might even be better than me. And, and she replied to her, goes, and she shook her head and, and sort of tears rolling down, and she finally got the ability to say something. Is that that's what they said last time, but it keeps getting worse. Um, the thing is, like, when we're in a position where things are going wrong, it's really easy to, to, for that to bring us down. Um, and for some of us, like this year could easily, we could go, yep, 2020 was a year that I felt dragged down or um, upset or sad or angry or frustrated, all those words. And again, like life is going to have times where it is going to be upsetting and challenging and stressful. We can't, like uh, Ken Davis said as well, the only time you can say I don't have problems in life is if, if you're dead and people are walking past you and going, oh, it looks nice. Um, or you are in a padded room in a little straitjacket saying, I have no problems. Those are the only two times in this world that you can really go, well, that's going to happen. So what happens for us is that what, what is our response in those times, especially looking at Habakkuk? And so first of all, I want, I want to look at, it, I suppose, his heart journey as we get to chapter 3. Um, because... Habakkuk is a very personal journey of the heart because, again, as I said, Habakkuk is actually a conversation between himself and God. He doesn't really go out proclaiming to the wider people, even though people would have ended up reading what he had said. And, uh, and even chapter 3 is, is sort of like a prayer put to song. Um, and so people may have even heard that in the temple as it was um, performed. But it's a conversation with, of God. And, and it starts off with this place where Habakkuk is frustrated. And so what does he do? He says, God, why? Why? How long? What's going on? Why isn't this, why isn't this fixed, God? And God's answer actually brought about more whys. I, like, I don't know if you've ever been answered that way where Habakkuk said, why, God? And then God's actually given his answer. And then all of a sudden you go, uh, I don't actually understand your answer now. I don't understand why my life has gone in this direction when I, I asked what was happening and now it seems to be harder than it was before. Like, God, what are you doing? I, I, I was not understanding then. I'm even less understanding now. And so as God explains what he's doing, you actually, uh, what is, is going to be doing, you actually see Habakkuk in chapter 2 make an adamant decision saying, I will wait, I will aggressively wait until God moves, until God acts. I'm going to wait to see his promise come through. Even though there are going to be tough times till we get to that point, I know who God is. And I suppose that, in essence, sort of leads into chapter 3 because um, we, we see, as I said, we see a prayer put to song. But where, what we see is there is a realisation of the relationship that Habakkuk uh, has with God. God is not a stranger to him. Okay, when, when God is not a stranger, that means God is present in your life. God is going to be moving in different ways. And so when you ask why, even if he doesn't give you an answer saying exactly the way you want it, you, you feel his presence. 
You know he's here. You know he's, he's with you. You know his strength is upon you. And we actually see in, in um, chapter 3, verse 2, uh, the beginning of chapter 3, I've heard all about you, Lord. This is what Habakkuk says. And I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. It sounds like Habakkuk knows about God. He knows what God has done. He knows God's character. He knows that God has got a righteous anger against um, Israel right now. But he also said, God, also remember your mercy. I know that you're a merciful God. And he says, I've heard all about you. I'm filled with awe of all that you've done. Habakkuk knows who God is. And I think some of the times, this is where we struggle to understand, when we struggle to understand God, we don't know him and therefore we don't trust him when these situations arise. But here, again, we see Habakkuk has got a totally different, um, um, I suppose, decision-making process, a totally different intent. And we see in, in the second part of Habakkuk um, chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come to, our, to the nation invading us. You see, what, he's, what is he waiting for there? Is he waiting for good times? No. He knows the bad times need to come first before God will come through. So he says, again, I'm going to wait patiently for God's promise to come through, the, I suppose, the judgment he's bringing, because then I'm going to wait to the other side. I am, I'm steadfast. I'm going to wait. I'm going to, I'm going to trust God in this. And I suppose this is the, I suppose, the struggle that because people often mistake joy and happiness. Happiness, is, happiness can be, I suppose, a, a daily thing. For some of us, happiness can be like an hourly thing. Um, kids are in bed, I'm happy. Um, kids are awake, I'm not happy. Like, um, um, I'm at work, I'm not happy. I'm not at work, I am happy. Like, it's, it's situational. It's, um, and, but the thing is, you can be happy and not really have joy. You can be happy by something that happens and not really have, have joy. And the reason for this is that joy is not circumstantial. Back in 20, 2009, not 2019, 2009, um, KFC actually, using Oprah, did this free sort of um, chicken meal um, promotion. Now, Oprah had quite a bit of sway and all of a sudden, lots and lots of people actually, actually overwhelmed the server, downloading the vouchers. But then what happened, people were coming to the stores to claim on the meal so much that there was lines not just going outside the door, but actually down the streets as people lined up for their free meal. Um, and the, the restaurants were overwhelmed by the request because it was free chicken. People went, free chicken? This is, oh, my, my life is set. I'm happy. I'm getting free stuff. I can rock up and get a free meal from KFC. But it was so successful that KFC had to put the offer on hold because of, of the impact it was making and, and the weights that people were having. And sometimes... The thing is, something that brought so much excitement to so many was taken away just like that. It was very situational, circumstantial. Um, and we can let things like that make or break our day. For some of us, we can be an hour into our day and something happens where that day is just lost to us. We're not going to be happy for the rest of the day and we've just got to, we're waiting for tomorrow to see if that one's going to be a good one. And some of us go, yeah, as I said before, some of us get halfway through a week and go, this has been a bad week, guess I have to wait for next week for it to be a good week. You can see how happiness is very situational. Um, but, for, um, but for Habakkuk, 
he wasn't chasing happiness, he was pursuing joy. And joy is not circumstantial, it is actually a gift. So what is one of the fruits of the Spirit? Okay, I was just making sure you are. You're up with. So one of the fruits of the Spirit, and where do the fruits of the Spirit come from? The Spirit. So do you make your own joy? Do you find your own joy? Do you create your own joy somewhere deep down inside of you? It is actually something that we receive through God, through the Holy Spirit. So it is a gift to us. Um, and so Judah was about to overrun, be overrun by the Babylonians. That's, that's, that's the context. That's where um, Habakkuk right is right now. And soon they would be taken captive or killed and then made, or, or so they'll be killed or made captive and if they're made captive, they'll be made slaves. Yet in spite of all this, this was Habakkuk's um, spiritual state and it was as strong as ever. Um, and so what we see in, um, um, in chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, there will be no and there are, there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Now, for some of us, we read this verse and go, "Yeah, what's the big deal about that?" Um, some of us don't eat figs. Some of us don't eat grapes. Some of us don't eat cows. Some of us don't eat sheep. Um, and again, like if if there's an empty sheep pen, we go, "Great, we don't actually smell the empty." Um, the, if, the, if sheep and cows are around, you, there's a smell that goes with it, and we go, "Oh." Okay, it doesn't bother us any of this. So let me put it in a, in a context for some of you young people. Um, though there is no more phones for the rest of my life, though the internet is cancelled, though my favourite show is not on TV anymore, though my car does not work, though I struggle to pay the bills, though I am in a workplace that is, is too difficult for me to be in, those are the those that we will be probably more... Yes, yeah, the, the fig tree, the, the olives, the grapes, the, the sheep, the cattle, that doesn't apply to us. But this is the thing, for Habakkuk and for the um, Israelites, basically this was the most important thing for him because without these things, they wouldn't be able to survive. So they were the really important things to them. They were the most important. If these things weren't here life would struggle to go on in Israel. But this is, so he says, though those things, if even if those things were not working, we actually, we go, get to a, a, another point in a second. And so, so even in the midst of absolute ruin and abject famine, which end up did happen once the, the Babylonians came and, and captured Jerusalem, the prophet Habakkuk was prepared to trust God. He realised that inner peace did not depend on the outward prosperity. And this idea connects with actually Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So Paul's actually saying it twice in like, well, two sentences technically, but like one line. He says, Rejoice twice. And so, but it, he says, Rejoice in God when things are going well. Rejoice when some of the time when you are feeling happy. Rejoice when I get everything I want. No, he actually doesn't disclaim any of that. He says, rejoice in the Lord. Always. Okay. So rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And, and we can let the devil point at negative circumstances in our life all the time and allow him to steal our joy. So this leads into this next thing because joy is a gift 
And what we need to realise is that joy comes from God. So Habakkuk has just said, even if we lose all these things, even the most favourite things in the world, the things that are necessary to us, Habakkuk in chapter 3, verse 18 says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. Habakkuk is basically saying, if my world falls apart, if, the world, if the, my country falls apart, if my family falls apart, I will still rejoice. And I will be joyful in God my Saviour. I can't find joy in olives or internet or phones. I can't find joy in cows or, or, or job or whatever else. I can't find joy in grapes or having a car that works. I can't find joy there, but I will always find it in God my Saviour. Habakkuk did not state that he would merely endure an hour of distress. Sometimes we, we, we know we're in a busy time or a stressful time. We go, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through 2020. I'm going to survive this. I'm going to survive this, this period of time with my child. I'm going to survive this this season at work, I'm going to survive this illness that I'm facing. He said, I will rejoice in the Lord and be joyful. And because this is, this is the brilliant thing. How much joy do you think God has to give? Infinite. Inexhaustible. Endless. And so all of a sudden, God gives us joy. God is never going to run out of joy to give us. And yet some of us, we struggle to find joy. Hmm, sounds like there's a bit of a problem somewhere in that mathematical equation. God's got heaps of joy. We seem to lack joy. God wants to give us joy. Where would the problem lie? <laughs> Not in the Wi-Fi, yep. God's got good Wi-Fi. Joy comes over that by a flood if we want to. Uh, the thing is, so often we don't want to receive the joy that God has to give us. We prefer to look around us and go, oh, look at how bad my life is. Look at how tough my week's been. Look at how bad my day has been. And God is saying, hey, i still got plenty of joy for you, but God, make my life better. i still got plenty of joy for you, but God, give me those things that I want. i still got plenty of joy for you, but God, I don't want that right now. We don't want to receive the joy that God has for us, but then we complain that we're not joyful. We cannot purchase joy. Any happiness you buy won't last. Okay? You, you, you buy that new dress that fits you and you go, oh, great, I'm happy about that. And all of a sudden you either go up or down in weight and then it goes, all of a sudden happiness goes. You buy that, that, that burger at McDonald's and you are happy while you're eating that burger at McDonald's. And then a little bit later, after you've eaten that burger, you go, I'm not happy now. And, and you look at just step on the scales and go, I'm not happy again. Like happiness comes and goes through things that we purchase. You buy a new car and then someone dings it or it gets old. You, you buy anything else and it goes away. You do well at school and then you finish school. And, and so some people end up living, living trying to live their, the glory days of school like in their 50s because that was the time that brought them happiness. It goes but joy is available to everyone and because joy comes from God. 
Even to those who were stripped of every material possession, which Habakkuk was saying, even if I'm stripped of everything, I can still have joy. Because joy is found in a person and it comes through an intimate and personal relationship with the Lord. Now, this is kind of a strange question. Who sees their struggles as an opportunity for joy? Oh, at least, you're, at least you're also, like most of you, okay, it's a struggle to do that. We can see our, our, our struggles as an opportunity to build character, to develop patience. We can see our, our, our struggles to be an opportunity to grow in faith with God. But it's, it can be a difficult thing to go, I'm going to see my struggles as an opportunity for joy. Because straight away we go, God, if I can choose, I'll choose option B, please. Option A is, is the struggles. If there's an option B, I'm happy with that God. But James um, um, uh, chapter 1 says, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. An opportunity for joy. When things get tough, consider it to be an opportunity for joy to receive from God what he has got abundantly to put in your life. James goes on to say, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow, for when you, your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. But it starts with joy. Developing our character starts with joy. As long as Jesus is on the throne, we have a reason to rejoice. And how often does Jesus get off the throne? Never. Since he's gone back to heaven, that's where he is and he's in control. He's not worried about any situation comes in our life. And the thing is, for us, some situations are really big. Some struggles are really big and they, I'm not saying that they're not, they're not big for us. They're just not big for God. And he is, he is gonna, we're going to be able to rejoice as long as he is on the throne. And as long as we belong to him, we have a, re, a reason to rejoice. So... Joy comes from God and a part of what that does for us is we're able to get to the point where we realise that the Lord God is my strength. Once you realise where joy comes from, um, difficulties do not drag us down as much. Have you, anyone ever noticed that in their life as the more they trust God, the more that you find peace with God, the more you have joy with God, all of a sudden you face struggles and you kind of go, yeah, I wish that didn't happen, but hey, I'm okay. I'm... I'm I'm overcoming this. And sometimes we even get to the point where struggles, we go, hey, we, some, some people are really nuts and they go, oh, this is a real good opportunity to, to develop. I, I, can see the, I can see the blessing in this straight away. And we look around and go, oh, wait a second, what's wrong with you? Like, you should be moaning and groaning and, and all the other things that everyone else is doing right now. But they go, hey, look at what God has done. It's like that, that story where, um, like, I can't remember all of it, but basically this child... Um, the parents sort of forgot what the, um, uh, the, the child's birthday was and they, they filled the barn up with some manure for some new gardens that they were doing. And the child sort of woke up on their birthday and went out to the barn and go, and she was so happy. And like the parents go, um, oh, we forgot your birthday. No, and you mustn't have. It's out in the barn. And they're going, only thing out there is manure. And they went, well, if that much manure, there's got to be a pony under there somewhere. <laughs> the thing is, we get to a point where we are, you know, we can see the blessing in difficult times straight away. That's because it's, God becomes our strength. It becomes a source of joy and strength for us. 
Habakkuk 3.19 says, The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and he enabled me to tread on the heights. Now again, for some of us we go, I don't want like deer feet, I like the feet I've got. So we've got to understand that a little bit for, for our context. It basically means that deer are able to adjust in, in really difficult situations and are able to overpower what's around them because deer, they run away from problems. But they're often like, it's in, on the mountainside, they're surrounded by forests. And so they have a surety to be able to dodge through places where we'd struggle to walk. But they are able to do it at great speed and they're able to flee away from problems. And God's saying, I want to give you the ability so that you can adjust quickly because I'm your strength. I'm going to give you the ability to move through struggles and move away from them because I am your strength. And so, to not just to survive adversity, but to thrive in it. Well, as I finish up today, I just want to quote, Mother Teresa said this once, Joy is prayer, joy is strength, joy is love. And joy is a net of love by which you can catch souls. She gives most who gives with joy. And so as she was talking about joy, she saw the effect that joy had throughout our life. So joy gives us strength. Joy helps us pray. Joy helps us love. Joy actually becomes something that we can capture other people into the kingdom of God. And where does joy come from again? And how much has he got? Infinite, inexhaustible, too much for us. So if we're running short of joy, there is something that we need to correct, something that we need to change. Now, it might go back to what I said right at the beginning. Habakkuk was obviously in a place where he knew God. And so for some of you going, you know, I'm struggling with joy, start there. Let Let yourself discover who God is. Stop putting up reasons for not following him and believing him, actively get into your Bible, actively take some time praying, find out who God is and in so doing, all of a sudden you'll see the joy of God start coming into your life. Maybe you prefer to look at the problems and say, unlike Habakkuk, you look at the problems around you and you go, God, you need to fix this before I can have some joy. Well, Habakkuk said, even if I have nothing, I can rejoice. Even if everything is taken away from me, I can have joy in God. And most of all, as I trust in God, he will be my strength that I'll be able to to move through life and to get through struggles with God's joy at my base. Let God's joy fill your life and in so doing, let it affect everything that you do. Let's just take some time to pray. Lord, we, we thank you that we can rejoice because you are on the throne. We can have joy because you have an abundant supply of joy. I thank you that even when things go bad, we can be at a place where joy is in our life and and can fill us up to, to overwhelming our levels. And so, Lord, I pray that as we walk with you, as we face struggles in life, our response will be to rejoice, to, to, to rely upon you, to receive from you what you have for us. I pray for those right now who are facing struggles, struggles that may have been weighing them down for a long time and struggles that may not leave their life for some time. I pray that they would know the joy of the Lord and the strength of the Lord that comes from knowing you. I pray for any today here who may not be certain that they know you, that they would take the moment today to to acknowledge that you are God. 
to confess your sins and to, to receive into your life Jesus and all that he has for you. Lord, I pray today that um, as, we, as we leave this place and, and whether we have a bad week or whether we have a good week, Lord, we will still know to rejoice. We will still know the joy of the Lord and we will walk in the strength of God. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.